Okay, guys, we're in for a quarter daf, an amud here. Uh, let's hold on tight. Let's hope I can explain it uh, well enough. Um, uh, okay, so we here, um, we here on daf chaf gimel amud bet, and uh, we are just finishing the amud, uh, discussing something we did start discussing, and that is how to guard tefillin. Um, uh, and we discussed how one would uh, have a, a, a tefillin bag and whether the bag is dedicated or has already been used to guard the tefillin. Um, so that was the previous discussion, meaning do you need both? Do you need it to be guarded and uh, to be designated for tefillin? Um, uh, and, uh, but here what we're going to talk about is... Um, is where you allow to keep your tefillin to protect it. Um, so let me just get the place. Um, so Bo'amine uh, Rav Yosef. Here we go, the yellow. Bo'amine Rav Yosef. Bo'amine Rav Yosef. Bo'amine Rav Nechunya. Mirav Yuda. It was also Rav Yuda. Ma'ushaniach Adam Tefillav Tachad Mashotav. Are you allowed to keep tefillin underneath your head? So you going to bed... Um, remember, people, uh, you know, they lived in generally in small little, in rooms or little houses, but, you know, they never had the creature comforts we do. They still had tefillin. So where do they keep it? So they have to keep it in a safe place. So uh, are you allowed to keep your tefillin underneath your pillow? So the Gemara says, Takat um, margolotav. So, um, uh, sorry. So it says here, um, can you put it underneath your headrest? They're not asking about putting the tefillin under your feet, where your feet go on your bed. Because then you, you can't keep your tefillin there because it's, uh, it's disrespectful to keep something in, as holy as tefillin underneath your feet. What they're arguing, asking about is tachad merashotav. My, what's the halacha about keeping tefillin underneath your head? Amalai, so Rav Yosef, the son of Rav Nechunia, said, Haki Amashmul, this is what Shmuel said, Mutar afilu ishto imoy. Now remember who said that? That's Shmuel. Shmuel said, you're even allowed to keep tefillin underneath your pillow, even with your wife in your bed, and it seems that would mean even to be intimate with your wife. Um, and, uh, okay. So that's a and that's a big kiddush. So not only are you allowed to keep it under your head, you're allowed to keep it under your head and in that same bed um, be with your wife. Mighty vay, so they challenge Shmuel from the following brisa. You're not allowed to place your tefillin underneath your legs when you sleep, like where you place your legs. Because by doing that, you, it's disrespectful. Now we're not saying putting your feet on the tefillin, God forbid. We're putting it. We're saying where you put your feet on the bed, can you put the tefillin underneath the bed rest, unless underneath almost the mattress or the place that is supporting your your feet. But you are allowed to put it underneath your uh, head. But if your wife is with you in the bed then you're not allowed to keep them underneath your head. You obviously have to keep them somewhere else. So now this is a contradiction. 
There's a brighter, which is a Tanoic statement. And you've got Shmuel, which is who's an Amora. And Shmuel can't argue with a brighter. So unless Shmuel has a brighter that supports him, then that's fine. But if he doesn't, then he can't argue. If there was an area protruding from his bed near the headrest, that is three tefachim higher than it, or namuch shloshet tefachim, or below three tefachim, um, mutar, then it's like in a separate entity um, uh, to your head, and then you can keep it there, um, 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 then you can keep it there and be with your wife, because it's like in a separate place. It's not actually under your head, it's in a separate entity on the bed. Tiyufta de Shmuel. This is a contradiction to Shmuel. Tiyufta. It is a contradiction. It's a refutation, rather. Now, normally when we do Tiyufta de somebody and Tiyufta, it means that's not the halacha. We hold against this person. Nevertheless, look at the Gemara. Amarova, the Rova says, Afalgav de Tanya Tiyufta de Shmuel. Even though we taught that there's a refutation to Shmuel, Hilchata Kavatai. The aloha is still like Shmuel, that you can sleep with a pillow, with a, with your tefillin underneath your pillow, even with your wife in the bed. Now, why is it that we normally, when you say tiyufta to somebody tiyufta, so so I saw that that's only when that's only when um, uh, the Gomorrah itself uh, leaves it as that. As a tiyufta to somebody tiyufta. Then it's a refutation and that's definitely not the halacha. But if the Gomorrah itself says, even though you've got a tiyufta to somebody tiyufta refutation, nevertheless, the Gomorrah can say the halacha still uh, like that opinion. Okay, so my timer, what is the reason? So now we're on the next Amud. What is the reason? Sorry, I went upwards. What is the reason uh, that we hold? Lak Shmuel, call le linetirunu tfei adif, and this is a concept we've mentioned before. Any type of guarding to protect your tefillin is more worthwhile than preserving the tefillin from disrespect. Meaning, even though it's disrespectful to bring your tefillin into the toilet, we saw that since it's a better way how to guard them physically, you can bring them into the toilet. Okay, having stated. That one may leave his tefillin underneath his headrest. Now, let's see where underneath his headrest. Does it mean, you know, he's literally sleeping with his head on them or somewhere else? Where can one place his tefillin? Between the mattress and the pillow. As long as it's not directly uh, below his head. So he can't literally lie down with his head on the pillow on top of the tefillin. Rather, the tefillin must be to the side, underneath the pillow, between the mattress. But, and his head is on the, the other side of the pillow. Like say you've got a long a longer pillow. Now we ask on this. Vahatani Rebekia, taught Mania Koiva Takad Mashotav. You're allowed to place the tefillin in a pouch. Literally, uh, and like in a in a in a cap, underneath your headrest, and that sounds like you are allowed to sleep with your head directly over your tefillin. So the Gemara says, "The Mursha the Bar." No, it doesn't mean that. It means that the you you 
the, the, you draw the bulge of the pouch. So meaning the section which actually contains the tefillin, that is actually the bulge. It's, it's away from underneath your head. So meaning you are sleeping with your head on top of the pouch, but the tefillin where they are in the pouch is to the side. They're not actually directly underneath your head. They're on the side, even though the, the pouch itself, at least half or whatever part of it, you are sleeping on it. Um, uh, the Gemara uh, gives other examples of nighttime storage of tefillin. Bar kapara tsailuhu bekilta. Bar kapara would wrap the tefillin, you know, the, in the curtain surrounding the bed. You know, so if you've got a canopy, and uh, so there's a curtain surrounding the bed, like, a, like almost like a malaria net um, uh, 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 for mozzies. So it says he would wrap the the tefillin in the curtain umapik levar and he would you would take the you know if you if you make like a bulge in the curtain you keep the the tefillin on the outer side of the bulge going out away from the bed umapik levar and he would draw the bulge outward away from the bed so basically if you've got a canopy surrounding your bed the tefillin are wrapped in a knot on the outer side of the curtain. Rav Shisha the Rav Idi Manachlu Arshar Shifa. He, the Rav Shisha, the son of Rav Idi, would place the tefillin on a stool, Upari Sudara and spread a scarf over them. Okay, so you hear, so there's a stool next to his bed, and he would put it on the stool, and then he'd cover this, the tefillin with this, uh, with this uh, curtain. So it says here that the tefillin were in in a uh, a pouch in some type of a bag, but the chiddushia is they were additionally covered with uh with something else, um and therefore they have a double covering. They've got the one covering of their designated pouch, and then they've got another covering of the curtain or the or a scarf, and in that way. Uh, you're allowed to, they considered in a separate entity, and that's when you're allowed to um, sleep next to it or be naked in front of it, meaning it, it's like it's in a separate entity and you could actually bring it into the toilet, uh, for example. Okay, um, uh, this is now we're going to bring quite a fascinating halachalamaisa case. I was once standing before Rova. Listen to this. Li, and he said to me, um, let me just go up a bit. Um, and he said to me, so zimna chada havekaimna. Um, so, and uh, and Rava once said to me, zil aiti litfilin. Go and get my tefillin from my bedroom. Where did he find the tefillin? Vaashkachtinu bein kaila keset shelokeneged rosho. And he found the tefillin between the pillow and the mattress, not directly below where he puts his head. Um, now, okay, so that's, you see from here that he allowed one, uh, the rover, where did he keep his tefillin? He kept it underneath the pillow, just on the side, not sleeping directly on it, but under his pillow nevertheless. Now, this is the crux here. And I knew somehow that it had been the day of immersion the night before. Meaning I know that he was with his wife. He was intimate with his wife in that bed. 
in front of those tefillin that were underneath his pillow. And why did he tell me to go get the tefillin? In order to teach me the halacha. That he held like Shmuel. Remember I told you to remember who said it. He held like Shmuel. That you're allowed to keep your tefillin underneath your pillow. And sleep there. Even when you were, if you would be intimate with your wife. And if, the reason is because it's better to guard them. Even though they'll be in some way a little bit um, embarrassed. Um, or their honor would be slighted. But at least they'll be well guarded. And that's just an example of the Gomorrah showing you. How certain rab- Rabbanim, they would teach halacha in such a way that you should learn from their actions that this is halacha lamaisa. Do you understand? It's not, it wasn't just said that this is what you should do, but he allowed his student to practically see that he actually did it himself. And that's a very strong way. At the same time, maybe it's, a, it's quite a tsanua thing. He doesn't want to go and talk about it. So instead of talking about it, he rather let his student actually go and work it out for himself. Okay, I'm not sure how the father knew. I'm uh, sorry, I'm not sure how the student knew that it was the mikvah night the night before, but uh, that's the way it is. Okay, next thing we discussed the storage of tefillin by a bed. Um, now we're going to discuss the concept of saying shema um, in front of somebody in your bed. So generally we'll see that this refers to a wife, but it also refers to sleeping with somebody in your bed. Or say you are sharing a tent at camp and there's a number of people in the tent. Um, so in this case though, the other side of it isn't is that you actually are sleeping naked next to all these people or at least one person. Um, and it's quite, it seems from the Gomorrah and the cases that People used to sleep naked, and what would cover them would be their blankets. But today we sleep with pajamas, um, and so things are a bit different. But just have that in mind when we're dealing with this case, that in theory what we're talking about here is sleeping naked with your wife, or sleeping next to a man, or your children naked. Okay. Um, bombing, and I must say, even though it may, you may not think it's practical, obviously, to sleep with another man, or sleep not with him, but sleep in the same bed as him. Um, I don't know, I've been reading a book called The Choice, and it, it mentions the Holocaust, and there was a time in her life that she did sleep, uh, the author rests, she did sleep um, in, in the same bed as her parents. Um, and unfortunately there have been times, whether it's poverty or persecution or whatever, where you do land up sleeping in the same bed as uh, members of your family or other people. So, if two people are sleeping naked in one bed, can the one turn his head and look the other way and read Shema, whether it's the morning Shema and you need to say it in your bed before you run out of time, or the night time Shema, um, uh, um, and the other person turns around who's lying next to you and he reads Kriyat Shema facing the other way. Um, now what's going on here? Um, uh, the, the case is, is that they actually are touching. Not that they're covered because they are covered from each other. The case is, is that they, their backsides are touching each other. 
And you're not allowed to say Shema if you're in front of somebody's nakedness or if you're not in front of them but you are touching their nakedness, their naked parts. And the question here is, are your buttocks considered um, uh, nakedness that if you are touching somebody's buttocks, that would be considered um, uh, that you can't say Shema in such a case. So that's the question. So the Gemara says, Amalei, Rav Yudah answers, Haki Amashmul, this is what Shmuel said, Vafilu Ishto Imoi. Yes, you are, and even if your wife is with him, you're allowed to say Shema. Okay, so even if it's a woman's uh, backside. Mat Kivla Rav Yosef, meaning like this, the, the buttocks are not considered an erva in this regard. Um, and we're talking about a woman who's allowed, who you're allowed to, to be near. Um, uh, but you'll see it's, it's also we'll be talking about a man or family members. Markiv la Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef objected to Shmuel's statement. He says, Ishtoi velomi boyacher. You say that it's permitted with his wife. And there's not even a need to say that it's permitted if you're lying next to another man. Because a wife is a, is a female, obviously. Adarab, on the contrary, Ishto kagufoi. Your wife is like your own self. And because you're comfortable with your wife, if you are touching her, if you are land up touching each other while you're saying Shema, you're not aroused because you, you're comfortable with her. Um, whereas, and that's why you should be able to say it um, Shema by turning back to back with your wife. But somebody else, another man, he's not like your body, and therefore um, uh, you... you you only you're not allowed to say Shema because even though it's a man and you maybe not be aroused, you won't be aroused in that way. Nevertheless, from the experience or the lewdness or the you you're not allowed to say Shema with such a case. So that was uh, Rav Yosef's objection and said it maybe with your wife it's fine but not with someone else. Meitive they bring a they bring a challenge to Shmuel's ruling here. Shnaim shishanim b'mitachad if two people are sleeping naked in one bed. This one may turn his face away from the other and recite Shema. And another one may um, may turn away. And it was taught in another brighter, the contrary, the opposite. If you're sleeping in your bed, and your sons and other members of his household are at his side, you're not allowed to read Shema. So we see here the one Bryce says the if you're sleeping next to um, uh, you two people are sleeping in one bed naked, then you are allowed to say Shema. And another Bryce says if you're sleeping with members of your household, you're not allowed to say Shema. So there's a bit of a contradiction here. Unless there was a talit, a garment that separates the people between each other, and this is the case of the members of your family. But if your children are small, we will discuss the ages later, mutar, then you are allowed to say Shema, even if you land up touching them while you are lying down. Now, according to Rav Yosef, um, there, who, there's no contradiction between these two prices. Why? The first price, which permits one to read Shema lying next to somebody, is with your wife, Haba uh, Ishtoi. And the other one, 
The other brisa that says you're not allowed to say Shema next to people of your household, Ha Ba'acher, is talking about other people and not your wife. And that's what Rav Yosef said above as he attacked Shmuel. El Shmuel, but to Shmuel who said that your wife is the same as another person, um, um, then it's the same thing. Um, uh, so th- then it will be different here at the green part. So Amalak Shmuel. So uh, the Gemara says, no, Shmuel would say to you, Le Rav Yosef mi nicha. According to Rav Yosef, who says it's fine? Vahatanya, the Brisa clearly says, Hayayashen bemita. You are sleeping in a bed. Uvanav uvanei veito bemita. And your children and the members of your household are in the bed. Lo yikrakrishma, you can't eat shma. Elim kanatatalito mafsekebenem, unless there was something separating the two. Now, who in the world are your sons? And the members of your household. Your cousins. No. Mistoma, logically, it's your wife. So Shmuel says it's a contradiction to Rav Yosef as well. Because how can you say that B'nai Veito is not your wife? And therefore in the one price it says you can't say Shema lying next to somebody. And in another price it says you can't say Shema. So therefore it's a bit of a contradiction. How are you going to do this? How are you going to defend Rav Yosef? Ishtoi. Um, according to Rav Yosef, there's a machloket tanaim, right? There's one brighter that says you can say Shema next to your while lying naked next to your wife, and then another brighter that says you can't say Shema lying naked next to your wife for your children, um, and just as um, and just as that. It's a machloket anoim. So Rav Yosef can arg- answer the contradiction by saying it's an argument. And he holds like one side. Shmuel can also say on himself that there's a machloket anoim and I go according to one version. Okay. So that's the discussion as to, um, as to the, there could be a difference between saying Shema naked next to your wife. Um, and the one version of Shmuel, it's, it's to anybody, as long as you back-to-back, because the buttocks are not considered a nakedness. Uh, Rav Yosef would say, no, um, with your wife, maybe it's fine. With, uh, and without your, and with others, it's, prob- it's problematic. But there could be a bracer that you could learn that you can't even say it next to your wife um, if you are naked. Okay. Amamar Master said, Zemachzirponovakore. Um, this one can read Shema Zemachs upon a Shema Vaika Agovoit. But hold on a second, right? We saying you can say Shema lying next to each other naked back to back, but what about your Agavot, your Batoks? Surely Batoks are considered nakedness. Messiah Layla Rabhuna. By the fact that we see that you it's not considered nakedness. We this is a proof for Rav Huna. The Amar Rav Huna, Rav Huna says, "Agavot ein bahem mishum erva." Buttocks are not considered nakedness, and that supports what we just said. But let us say that the following Mishnah supports Rav Huna. Haisha, and what does Rav Huna say? Rav Huna says that buttocks are not considered nakedness. Haisha yoshevet v'koitzela kalata. Now, for some reason. This woman is sitting down naked and she is she's making challah. She's making bread. And uh, in this case, 
uh, aruma. A woman may sit on the ground and separate her chala. She can take chala while being naked. Now, what's the issue with being naked and separating chala? It's because you say a brocha when you separate chala. So how could she be naked um, sitting on the floor um, and uh, say a brocha? It's a problem of nakedness. You know how to say a brocha in front of nakedness? Why is it fine? It's because she can cover her frontal area on the ground. Like she's sitting on the ground and she's able to cover it in such a way that she can say a brocha. But a man whose genitalia protrude, they, he can't say, he can't make a brocha on chala um, 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 while he's sitting on the ground. But what do you see from here? That the only issue is the front of a woman and the front of a man. But the back of a man or the back of a woman, it's not a problem to say a brocha in such a case. And that seems to be a proof that the buttocks are not considered nakedness. Tirgama Rav Nachman Yitzchak interpreted the mission in this way. Not that you could see the buttocks that they were exposed. Rather, she was sitting in, inside the ground. She was... She was she was sitting on soft ground, ground, and therefore, both her front and her back were considered covered by the ground, and therefore you can't learn from here that um, that buttocks are not considered erva, because maybe here the buttocks were hidden, as to her front was also hidden, and that's why she was allowed to say a brocha. Of course, this would, the, regarding her upper part of her body, if she wasn't wearing anything above it, it would be a proof that her... Um, that the upper part of her body is not considered nakedness, um, uh, which is quite a chiddush. Okay, Gomorrah analyzes the Bryce uh, quoted above. Amarav, the master said, If you have small children, mutar, then it's permitted to be lying next to them and saying Shema, because they're small and that's not considered, their nakedness isn't considered nakedness. Kama, how old are small children to be considered that their nakedness, their genitalia are not considered nakedness. Amaravchista tinok bat shalosh shanim v'yomechad. A tinoket, a young girl up to the age of three years old and one day. V'tinok ben teisha shanim v'yomechad. And a boy of nine years old and one day. And this this age is actually a, a, a utilized age for certain things. And it's saying that even a young girl, um, um, uh, you know, her... Genitalia would be considered naked at a young age and so to at a very young age and so to a uh, a boy. Um, uh, there's another opinion. Ikadamri, others say, tinoket bat achatesrei shanaviyomechad. If she's eleven years old in one day, v'tinok ben shteimesrei shanaviyomechad, and a boy who's twelve years old in one day. In that case, that's considered nakedness, but below that, it's not. Because that's mistoma when a man starts developing and a woman starts developing. Idi v'idi ad kedai though, um, with regards both the boy who at twelve years in one day and the girl at twelve at eleven eleven years in one day, um, uh, what's the what's the case? So it says, um, sorry, it says yeah, um, um, shadaim. Uh, that from only that if her breasts develop 
and her and and hair starts to sprout then it's a problem if she's if she's 11 and the boy is 12 but if there's no sign of puberty then at even at that age it's not a problem to recite shema uh, being next to them their nakedness is not considered nakedness okay i'm a lay ravashi hatam amarova there in the case of somebody who saws his filling under his pillow rova said afalgav the tiyufta and this is the interesting part here is the the blue um, um ravkana said even uh even though we brought a tiyufta to shmuel that we brought a refutation to shmuel to say that you 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 are allowed shmuel holds that you are allowed to keep your tefillin underneath your pillow even with your wife with you um, that you're allowed to sleep you're allowed to sleep with your tefillin underneath your bed even with your wife with you so too in the case where it says that where Shmuel paskened that two people can recite Shema back to back remember it was Shmuel who held that maybe Halokha is also like Shmuel there that you can so Ravashi answers Amalei um, are all of the sacks of, of Shmuel, are they all woven together as one? Meaning just because we hold like him in one, doesn't mean we have to hold like him in another. Rather, where it was stated that Halokha is like Shmuel, Halokha is like Shmuel. Whereas, where it wasn't stated that Halokha is like Shmuel, we can't deduce for sure that it is like Shmuel. That doesn't mean... Um, that it, it's not like Shmuel, it just means that, uh, that uh, we don't, it's not for sure. So the Rif, though, he learns according to Rav Yosef. He holds like Rav Yosef, and there are others who are even more strict than that, but it seems like amongst the Rishonim, you wouldn't be able to say Shema um, with uh, lying naked um, with probably your wife, uh, or and other or even other people or even other, or other people or even your wife um you with with parts of your buttocks even your back uh, touching each other okay another question amalei rav mari lerav papa um what about pubic hair that is protruding out of somebody's garment right um uh, so now the part the the erva the nakedness isn't seen. It's not visible, but the hair of that of that naked part of the body is seen. What is the law? Can you recite Shema in front of the hair, even though it's not the actual erva? So Rav Mari answered Rav Papa, Karalai, he said in reference to him, Sayar, Sayar, hair, hair, hair is of no consequence, whether it's the hair of the erva or not, it's, it's just hair, and therefore it would be allowed, obviously in a case, not... Not where the hair is nakedness, like with a woman, for parts of a woman, but uh, but in a case where, say, there's a hole in the garment and hair is protruding, but you still can't see the erva, so in that case, you can say Shema in front of it. Um, a tefach of a woman, which is like a fistful, fist amount, five centimeters, the, um, a tefach of a woman is an erva. Now, what does it mean? That a, a tefach of a woman is an erva. It's considered nakedness. And there's a bit of a discussion on this. But let's say, it's to say shema in front of. That you're not allowed to say shema in front of a, even a tefach 
of a, of a part of a woman that should be covered. Lemai, what is the halacha here? If you say you, it's referring to looking at a woman, um, that even you're not allowed to look at even a tefach of a woman, um, it can't be. Rav Shaisha said, Lema mana katuv tachshitin shebachutz im tachshitin shebevnim. Why does the Torah list the jewels that are on that go in underneath the clothing, together with the the jewels that go on top of the clothing? And what's it referring to? It's referring to the daughters of Midian. Remember, the daughters of Midian they uh, seduced the Jews. And they landed up sinning with them, and that's how uh, we lost uh, many Jewish people uh, with the war against uh, Midian and Moab. Uh, Bilam's curses couldn't work, but Bilam's thoughts, uh, his strategy to get the to get the men to commit a, a, a promiscuous relations with the Midianite woman, that worked. And it says though. When, that in order they the Jewish people had to take those jewels and uh, and get rid of them, and it says that the jewelry that went on the outside of their body had to be destroyed together with the jewelry on their inside. Now that is somebody something like a, a kumaz, which is a, like a chastity belt. They used to wear um, uh, jewelry underneath on you know um, in underneath their clothing. Um, and as like a chastity belt, and so the Torah is saying that even the the jewelry that that the, the inside that jewelry you, you can understand needed to be destroyed because it was utilized in promiscuity. But why should the outer jewelry be destroyed? So what it shows you is if you look at the outer jewelry like you do the inner jewelry, then even though it's on the outside. Even if it's 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 allowed to be visible, but you get aroused by looking at it, this is to tell you, anybody that looks at even a finger of a woman, but she he looks at it to arouse himself, it's as if you look at an, a naked part of the body which shouldn't be revealed. So you see from here that uh, at, uh, even an etzba, which is much smaller than a tefach, you're not allowed to look at in a lewd way. So it must be that this tefach be'isha erva, this this part of a woman that's considered nakedness, must be something else. Rather, what it refers to is one's wife and saying shma in front of it. So even your wife, who you are allowed to look at normally covered parts of the body, even her, you're not allowed to say shma by in front of part of that nakedness. Um, and that means basically, do you have to close your eyes or do you have to turn away? But you could, if, you do not, if you're not looking at it, you might be able to say Shema um, uh, in front of a tefach. So there's different cases of nakedness. So here we see that uh, the thigh of a woman is considered nakedness. That's normally understood as above her knee. Shneemar, uh, as the pastor says, Gali Shoik Ivri Naharot. Expose a thigh uh, and cross rivers. Like when you cross a river, you have to step over it. Ukativ, and it's written in that context, Tigal Ervatech. You reveal your nakedness. Vagam Terech and your embarrassment will be seen. So you see here that by lifting up your leg to show your thigh, that is revealing nakedness. Um, um, 
Amar Shmuel, Shmuel says, Kol Ba'isha Erva, a woman's voice is considered nakedness. And that's the famous thing of, of listening to women sing. Ki kolech marech it says in Shirashirim that your voice is sweet and your countenance comely, which means that to a man, a woman's voice is something uh, provocative. Amar Rav Shayshet, Rav Shayshet says, Sayar Ba'isha Erva, the hair of a woman is considered naked. And that's talking about a married woman. Shneemar, Sareich Ka'eder Ha'izim. Your hair is like a flock of goats. And in the context of the Pesukim there, it's referring to the beauty of a woman. Again, suggesting that when a, a woman's beauty, a woman's hair is considered beauty and something that can arouse her. Okay, so those are some big statements about you're not allowed to say Shema in front of uh, a woman's nakedness. You're not allowed to look at a woman provocatively even in parts that aren't normally covered um but just an interesting quick halach at the end is what about um saying shema in front of married women who don't cover their hair so the aruch hashulchan says that you can in a place where women don't normally cover their hair whereas the mishnah Bura says no it's objective and you you should avoid saying shema in front of a, in front of women married women who don't cover their hair